Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Are you glad you came to church today? I am. Through the storms and the rain and the stuff and the things and stuff going on. Um, you know, it's always fun to bring the word. I was in the back drying off. I have my Beyonce fan back there, so I was blowing, blow drying my hair and doing the whole deal uh, before I come back out and sweat again. But um, so I don't hurt. I don't know what he said, but I know I want to uh, encourage y'all that we are in a really good season as a church. Yeah, and there's a lot of cool stuff happening. And our pastors are. He probably did. You say this part. That they are up north. Okay, so our pastors, God bless you pastors. I'm sure you, they've had a fantastic time. And um, I'm, always, I'm always privileged, I feel like, to be able to bring the word. And the season that we're in, as I said, is a really great time for our church. And I think the ultimate thing for me, um, just kind of taking inventory of life and times and stuff that we go through. Uh, one of the things I'm appreciating about aging, okay? <laughs> There's not a whole lot of stuff I like about it. But what I'm appreciating about aging is something that's very simple. It's called perspective. Yeah. Because it doesn't make it better or worse or whatever, but there's just so many things now that I can look back and say, oh, okay, I've seen that thing before. Or we've kind of been this route before. Or maybe that's not the best thing to do here. We have different. So I love being able to come in, I believe, with a perspective and the thing that I'm excited about with this church is I've been around here for enough of the seasons to have been able to watch God bring us through time and time and time again. And I told somebody recently that, you know, more times than not, I won't say more times than not, but often uh, when we do what we do, sometimes we just do it out of principle. We do it because we know the right thing to do and to say. And then sometimes there's just this supernatural grace for it. And then God shows up and he breathes in these moments. I don't want to, I don't, I'm not looking for a pity party, but as I was preparing this message on yesterday specifically, um, everything that I do is on my MacBook Pro, that computer you normally see me standing here playing with my keyboard. Well, my computer died yesterday. So every 45 minutes while I was trying to get these notes written, it would just go, and, it would, and then it would die. I didn't need to do that again. That's what it sounded like. <laughs> so it would shut down, and then I'd have to believe God that what I did was being saved, and then I just didn't know, so I never got I never got a full comprehensive set of the notes, so I know that in those moments. And then that's why today I'm sitting on that little bitty mini-me keyboard over here, and right, but Brandon does a great job on it, but the big one's not, you know. So all that was happening today, and guess what? God still showed up. And that's why I love Jesus. Because it's not contingent upon our stuff. And then all have to be perfect and everything's just thus and so. I was watching the stuff with, this is a total aside, not even in my notes, but I was watching the stuff with the queen. And I just thought, you know, the respect and all the things, I think it's great. It's what they have. It's their culture. It's their thing. But Lord God knows you could not take me to one of those events. 
because being stuffy and having to do the right thing and say the thing and, and then to do the bronze and then the, I just, I'm just not that dude. I would mess something up and be in the papers or whatever else because that's just not my, that's not my thing. It'd be a scandal. So I love the freedom of God's spirit. And I love the fact that he's alive and every single moment that we have with him can be different than the one before. And every single moment that we have with him is intentional. So he breathes and he speaks and he declares and he moves and he shapes us. And so as we're into the word today, we're talking about this concept of dream on. And one of the things that Pastor Richard said is that this is time, it's a season for us to turn our dreams back on. To let some of those things that were dead come back to life. Amen. And so... He started in Psalm chapter 105, which is where we're going to start with the text today. And we'll kind of move around a little bit. I got some good thoughts for you, though. So Psalms 105, verse 17 through 19 says this. He, God, sent a man before them. Somebody say before. before. Say it real loud. Before. before. So he sent a man before them. Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. And he was laid in irons. And this is the part that we're going to dig into for the rest of the day. Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested Joseph. The New Living Translation says it this way. Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Bible says, the Lord tested Joseph's character. <laughs> and I thought it was so funny. That this very moment that I'm talking about your character being tested, literally, we didn't know if this keyboard was going to work five minutes before service started. So I'm here like, what's going to happen? Where are we going to go? What's going to... And God's saying, listen, I got you. If you just relax, release it, trust me, I'm breathing, I'm moving. And in the time when that thing is supposed to come to pass, it will come to pass. The Lord had tested Joseph's character. Um, I'm going to save you the time this morning of reading this passage. So in my computer going in and out, I actually still have a physical Bible. Anybody still got those? <laughs> so when I was studying, I had my physical Bible out, which is one of my favorite ones. It's the uh, New King James Version Spirit-Filled Life Bible. It's got great stuff in the liner notes. I love it. So when I'm studying, usually I pull that out. So I read all the way from chapter 37, all the way through chapter 50. And I encourage you at some point in your own time to go back and do this. It's Genesis chapter 37 uh, through 50. And it was really cool because it's the story of Joseph. And I won't spend a lot of time telling the story, but basically what I got out of this story was two very important principles. And this is the, the, the juxt of the day. Number one, or crux of the day, number one, we have to be willing to adapt. To see the dreams of God come to pass in our life, number one, we must be willing to adapt. And then number two, here's what perspective has, has given me. Number two is your dream will change over time. I didn't know that when I was 16, 17, 18. The story of Joseph is a 17-year-old young man getting a vision from heaven, getting a word that he got from God, 
getting away that he thought it was going to play out. Now, ultimately, that dream did come to pass. But can I tell you that there was so much shifting and adjusting and, and transition and adapting through the process of that dream coming to life? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Have you ever taken the time to just kind of stop? Like over this last little season, especially as I've been talking about this, um, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I used to love sleeping in bunk beds. And I used to love the top bunk bed. And I realized that there is no way in the world as a grown man, I'm sleeping in the top bunk. You know why? Because what's going to happen three times in the night? Maybe it's just me. I'm going to the bathroom at least. <laughs> right? So I'm spending some time. There's no way I'm sitting on top of it. But I remember that in those moments, in our almost like in a subconscious state, that's where ultimately, y'all, that I get most of the lyrics for songs. That's where I get melodies. That's where when I'm pulling for a word from God for a Sunday morning or for whenever I'm teaching Bible school or whatever, do you know that it's, it's many times in that sort of almost subconscious state between when you're asleep and you had your first bathroom break, and then, and then you're coming back in, and you're lining it up for, and it's like God begins to speak in those moments. And so because I've been pulling on the word about dreams, I just started reflecting on some of the dreams that I had when I was a little kid. And I started thinking about the stuff that I thought maybe I'd be doing, and, and clearly some of those things in my life, thank God, have come to pass. Some haven't, but many of them have taken on a different form, shape, structure, look, dynamic. They've been adapted over time. And if somebody would have just told me that when I was 17, that things are not going to look today like they'll look tomorrow. Or they're not going to, you know what I'm trying to say. That it just, it's just different. And it's not a bad thing. It's an okay thing to see God cause the vision and the dream that he places inside of you to evolve, to change. I realized as well that there are so many people, especially in this generation and in the society that we're in right now. I wanted to say, I think I wrote it down somewhere, um, and it sounds kind of rough, but it's true. It said, I heard somebody say it this way. I can't become anything. But I can be everything that God has made me to be. I'm going to read it. Oh, let's put it up. Good. I can't become anything. <clears throat> In other words, I'm five foot eight with this heel on. I'm not going to become a professional basketball player. It's not in the cards for me. You can talk to me. You can tell me you've got a great jumper. You can talk about how fast I am or whatever else, but the reality is as a five foot eight, 50 plus year old man, I'm not at this point in my life going to become a professional basketball player. And that's okay. I wish someone would tell people sometimes when we're watching these shows, these, these talent shows, and somebody clearly didn't tell them, man, you are not the next American Idol. Right? I mean, you wish somebody would have just said, hey, listen, I'm not trying to squash your dreams and all the hopes and the stuff that you've got. And yes, God can do all things, but he can't do anything. 
You can't be, let me say this correctly, God can do all things and he can do everything, but there's some things that's not in the scope of reality of what you're going to become. Is that fair enough? That's fair enough, right? He can do everything. I want to make sure I say that real loud and clear. God can do everything. But as I'm walking through this concept of dreams, I realized then, okay, so then what's coming to life in my life have to be the things where there have been seeds that have been planted. And this is important to you all today because we're in a time where we're starting to see some of the seeds that have been planted for years in this ministry, years in us personally, begin to blossom. But you've got to see the process that it took for us to get there. In 2005, a very interesting thing happened. I want you guys to show this for me if you would. Just put the, that collage of pictures up for a second. One at a time if you have it that way. So I have some shots for you that I want to show you what happened in 2005. And if they don't get it up, I'll keep talking. There's five pictures, six pictures. But what happens in 2005 in the desert in California... There's a place. Oh, there they are. So there's shot number one. This shot is in, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me, it's in the, the desert in California. And it's interesting because this is one shot. Go ahead and go to the next one if you would. There's another one. You start to see it. And then keep going on if you would. You start to see a little bit of life bloom. And then there's another picture of life. And then ultimately it becomes that. Now this is the craziest thing. Because what happened is, it was something that they called, this was in Death Valley in California. And it's a 2005, and ultimately in Death Valley, it says that it's one of the hottest places on earth. It says that in summertime, it can get up to 200 degrees Fahrenheit. It's known as one of the hottest places on earth. It's said here that Death Valley, California is 156 miles long, this area that we're talking about. It's 292 feet below sea level. And it said that it basically works like a convection oven. So because there's such a great divot, everything that goes in there gets hotter and hotter and hotter and it just heats up and heats up. And so that the air can't get out. And it said here that, um, let me make sure I got it all. So, oh, and then... On an average, every year, it only rains two inches a year in Death Valley in California. Now, we got two inches yesterday here, I think. But two inches a year. <clears throat> and so, in 2005, there was some kind of a weather system. And again, they called it, they called it the, uh, the super bloom season. And I guess there was maybe four extra inches of rain, about six to eight inches of rain that happened. And they said that it was, a, it was a national and actually international phenomenon. People came from all over the world, came all, all over the globe and all over the country to come and see this time that they called super bloom. Here's the point that I'm making. What they said scientifically is that in that area that looked dry and desolate and barren, and lifeless and, and without hope and without the ability to produce or to have a harvest. It said that in that area, there had to have been seeds that were already planted. You tracking? There had to have been seeds that were already planted that needed the right circumstances 
for them to blossom. You getting that? And then what I found out scientifically, it said this. Um, it said that the flowers in that area, now that it becomes this whole thing, it said that those flowers over years had adapted to their circumstances in the desert. And here's the thing I believe is relevant for us. They had adapted to their circumstances in the desert by developing seeds with coats that were so thick and waxy that they could literally hibernate for decades without blossoming. What seeds are in you? Think about it. What seeds are in you from your history, from people speaking words over your life, from thoughts that you had when you were a kid, from hopes and dreams that you, that you, that you thought about in the night seasons when you were sleeping on your top bunk? <laughs> what, what are the thoughts, what are the things that seemed so hopeful and there was an expectation that I could be this or I could do that or I could go here or I could accomplish this? What are those dreams? What are the seeds that have had to adapt to time? Because here's the greatest thing that I've learned through time too, y'all. Life happens to all of us. I don't think there was one single person in the history of the world that got their family together and their friends together and all the stuff together and spent the thousands of dollars for the ceremony and got the preacher in and the music in and walked down the aisle and said to themselves, I feel like we're going to divorce before this is all said and done. Right? Nobody does that. Nobody, nobody gets into your life scenario and you're doing what you can to raise your kids the best you know. Or to do what you can financially. Nobody, nobody thinks that you're going to find yourself on the other side of bankruptcy. Am I talking in the right room? Right? You, you don't think that. You don't think you're going to go through. You, you, don't, you don't picture. That's not the dream that you had for your life. And I believe that through life and through time and through seasons and through circumstances, there are so many scenarios in us where that wax coating has been built up for us to adapt to the season that we were in. But oh, in due time. Oh, in due time. I feel like I'm speaking prophetically because here we are. We're watching the book be launched to a way in a degree that we never knew could happen. Pastor Richard, can I say this to y'all? I'll say this publicly. Last week when he was talking about selling the book and doing his whole thing, he hates being his own PR guy, press guy. And he made it very clear that he and his wife, Pastor Gail, they had taken their own personal money and finances to do it. And he said the church didn't add anything to it. Do you understand that it wasn't because we didn't want to as a staff? <laughs> it's because of the integrity of that man's heart. And he said, I'm not going to have any, I'm not going to have any scandal, any thoughts any words coming about people will the church pay for it no he said i'm going to do what i got to do to fulfill the dream that's been covered in my life for decades not a month that book didn't come out of just a circumstance that happened last week you're talking about three decades of life of families 
of seeing relationships, of seeing people come and go, of highest of highs, of breakthroughs, of 70 plus nations. I've been with him to 40, with him separate together, about 35 of them. And I've seen the glory of God and I've seen him move and I've watched him change hearts and people get saved and things happen. But do you understand that the seed that was in him had to make some, there had to be some adapting for a season? What are you sitting on? What did God say to you in the night seasons of your life? What's all the stuff that we, we somehow, because of all of our circumstances, we lose sight of? And maybe it needs to be covered by that wax, but maybe there's a season where it's about to bloom for you. Yeah. Do you know how many times I've had to answer for what happened with our other building in 2007 and 8? <laughs> you know, I still have people at, at times, hey, whatever happened with that? Oh, what about the dome? What have done? Most of you, many of you are so new that you don't even know the reference of that. But do you know how many times we've had to walk that out? And Dr. Summerall, who was one of our greatest mentors and people that we love, he told us at one point, he said, you know how you outlive, or excuse me, how you overcome scandals and, and naysayers and negativity? He said, just outlive them. You just outlive them. You just keep producing fruit. You just keep sitting on those seeds. Those seeds that have been planted year after year, season after season. And when it's time for it to blossom, you'll see it in all of its glory. It looked dead, desolate, decrepit, lifeless, hopeless. And God breathed into those moments. And so I look at Joseph and I see the story of this guy. You know, interestingly enough, when you read the passage, you'll find that Joseph went through so many highs and lows. And I mean, he was talked about. He was ridiculed. He was mistreated. He was abused. But the Bible says, if you go through those chapters, probably about five or six times that I found scripturally, it just kept saying, but God's hand was with him. And the favor of God was on him. And because Joseph was in that scenario, God blessed him. And because he was around where the king was and all the stuff that was happening, just because he, the man stayed the course and he saw the fruition of what God had placed inside of him. When I first started this church, I was the younger brother. I was a little kid. I was 20 plus years old. I couldn't even grow a full beard. I mean, I, I literally, I could barely, I didn't know about leadership. I didn't know much about ministry. Is it okay if I big brother y'all today? <laughs> so I'll just chat with you a little bit. But I didn't know about ministry. I didn't really know about the, the trials and the things that we would go through with people, good and some bad. I mean, I didn't know. I didn't know. I wasn't aware of what this life of ministry was going to look like. I, I just didn't know. And so I walked in kind of naive and just full of expectation and hope and vision. 
And I've said this in years past, but especially early on, I have a whole, um, well, at this point now it's all digital because I put it on digital, but I had cassette tapes and then I had CDs of all these different ministers that would come through and speak a word over me. You're going to travel to the nations. You're going to record. You're going to be the, as big as Ron Canole. Y'all don't even know who Ron Canole is. <laughs> you're going to be this generation's Ron Canole. Right? You're going to do records. You're going to, rah, you're going to do all this stuff. And I, and I thought, it's awesome. It's great. Like, I receive it. And so the Bible tells us to wage a war over the prophetic words that God's spoken over you. Like, fight for those words. But do you understand that things have changed so much that when I first got that word, my expectations would have been to sell cassette tapes. I don't know if you're catching that. The expectation when I got the word was that we could sell cassette tapes. I don't even make cassette tapes anymore. So the whole music game, everything that the vision, are you tracking with that? It had to adapt. Because the whole vision of what I thought I was going to become doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> I don't even make them anymore. Right? So I had to think about like, okay, so this is what I thought you, you had for me. But it looks totally different in 2022 because everything's digital and da, 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 da. And if you know the music industry, people don't even make money from records and stuff now. It's all about touring and, and merch and self-publicizing. you know, publicing and publicizing and So everything's changed, but my dream had to adapt. And the peace and the joy of the season that I feel like I'm in is finding a way to be coordinated with what God had to shift in my life. Right? This ain't a deep word, but I hope this is getting to somebody's heart. It's just I had to learn to make the adaptation, the shift. So these things began to bloom. And I'll come in here. It says here a couple of scientists had some different quotes that I thought were great. One of the scientists said, this isn't a wasteland. It might start looking empty when the flowers are gone. But this scientist said, but there is always life there at all times. Whew. It might look like a wasteland. Death. Nothing blossoming. But there's life there at all times. Another one of the scientists said this. Um, it looked like nothing but death and desolation. Now it looks like the Garden of Eden. <laughs> I was a scientist. It said, the thing that I marvel is how long these seeds had to wait for the perfect rain so that they could burst into all these flaming colors. The scientists marvel. How long was that seed in the ground? How long was he thinking about it, praying about it, pondering on it, being disappointed, seeing stuff break through and blessed? If I had to paint the picture of what I thought or where I thought I'd be, it looks nothing like I thought it was going to look. But can I tell you, in God's plan, it's so much greater. And it's so much more fulfilling to not be trying to do this thing on my own and figure it out and... And the, and the stuff and all the things that I thought I wanted in so many ways, it's just shifted so much. 
And I realize that it's about, if my life is a vehicle and a vessel for the glory of God, then everything else that I desire, everything else that I desire, God said that I'm going to add that thing onto you. There's a great verse, and we're almost, we're coming in for landing here. But it says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, it says, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. Say that again. Yet true godliness with contentment. Somebody say contentment. With contentment itself is great wealth. The message version puts it this way. I'm going to jump down a verse, guys. The message version of 1 Timothy says it this way. A devout life brings wealth, but it's the rich simplicity of being yourself before God. That's what wealth is. Ooh. A devout life brings wealth, but it's the rich simplicity of being yourself before God. And since we enter this world penniless and we'll leave it penniless, penniless, if we have bread on the table and shoes on our feet, that's enough. And I'm not advocating not having stuff and I'm not against all those things. But God, man, do you know the greatest peace and the greatest wealth I find is just being able to say before God, I've done the best I know to do. I've done the best I know to do before people, before heaven, in every circumstance that I found myself in, that I, 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 I wasn't perfect. Boy, there's stuff that I wish I could take back. There's a few moments that I have through the years. I'm like, God, I wish I could, oh, I wish I could take that back. One Sunday, I got so mad at one of our young drummers, and he was just, man, he was just constantly doing something crazy. And I remember I walked out that side door and I'd been around the gators a lot and I cussed at him. <laughs> and I felt so bad. I felt terrible. I cussed at him. And this is before service on a Sunday morning. And I cussed at the kid and I was just like, oh, I'm so, I can't believe it. I, oh, I wish I could take that back. You feel guilty about it. I'm sorry, man. If you're watching, dude, I apologized 20 years ago. Sorry again. Stuff you wish you could take back. But real peace and real wealth isn't stuff. It's not things. It's not, it's not all that you, we spend all of our time and our energy trying to acquire. That ultimately, it's being able to be true before God, standing right in his face saying, Lord, here am I. Use me. Let me be your vessel and your servant. Lastly is this, in 1 John chapter 2, it says, don't love the world's ways, don't love the world's goods. The love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates us from him. The world and all it's wanting and wanting and wanting is the way out. But whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. When our lives are just about doing what he wants us to do. 
not having, not, not having your events and your family time and stuff and the things and all the stuff that goes on. It's all about what is the big picture of what God's life is for you. I'm going to close with this very quickly. Many of you guys asked me a couple weeks ago when I preached and I talked about my mbuya. And I had a chance to kind of talk through that story and explain to her, to you her, what happened with her. We're, we're right on time. Um, but on that same trip when I went to Zimbabwe, I had a very specific scenario happen with me and an uncle. And I told the story a little bit. His name was Uncle TD. And he, had the, he was the family historian. He told all the things about what God was doing in our bloodline. And I started to think about the seeds that have been planted years ago before the foundation of the earth. God knows the right time for them to blossom. I'm going to ask you guys to play that video if it'll work. If not, I'll, I'll close out here. But give me a go and see if it'll work. So Uncle TD, the family historian. Who is the cameraman? Good Lord. We were all people of medicine, not, not religious people. <laughs> huh? yeah. So you must make this message when you go in America yeah. and tell the Americans that when I went home, I saw people who were very delighted to see me because I, I thought I was a stranger. I was not a stranger. Mm. I was accommodated in their own liking, in their own way of living. That's the Buka mm. is the, from another Jambaya family. Okay. Not direct like yes. me and him. Yes. Now, there is a Buka who is senior to the three right, of us. I don't, you can see it by, mm. right. Now, you are the first priest you. Yeah. in the, our familyhood. Mm. So you must preach to me because I used to be hitting you now. Excuse me, what? Don't go on Look at that beautiful smile, that beautiful laugh. I'm going to close with this. So this is Uncle T.D. And he was a character. He's going to be part of my book someday. 100%. But he said there that our family was in medicine. My dad was a doctor, all of that. But he said, you were the first priest. And I need you to preach to me because I was your dad's older brother and I used to spank him when he was acting bad. <laughs> That's what he was trying to say. I need you to preach to me. And I'm going to say it again. All the seeds of what I'm doing today were planted at some point. I don't know who said it, who prayed it, who applied it, who... I don't know. But I know that I'm walking in 
some of the harvest of seeds that have been planted. And all I'm going to do is ask you guys today as a church to think again, pray again, investigate again, dream again, turn the dream on, and ask God what had to be adapted in my life. Is it your kids? Was it your marriage? Was it your finances? Did something happen with your health? What was it that shifted maybe you away from the original intent and content of what you feel like God had placed in your heart for a dream? This is a season where we're about to get back to those things. And in closing, the truth is, there are times when the water is stirred. So right now, the water is stirred. Right now, things are blossoming. We're seeing stuff we've never seen before. We're, we're experiencing fresh life like we never had before, man. What is it that you need to see God breathe into again? Let's pray. As always, God, I'm grateful for your presence. I'm grateful for what you do in this house. And not every moment is rah-rah. But God, in these moments where you are and where you're looking to breathe again on some of those dreams, just like Uncle T.D. spoke and began to declare the promises of God that were on my life from before the foundation of the earth, what is it, God, in this room, man? Businesses, marriages being healthy, kids serving Jesus, grandkids walking in the things of the kingdom, financial blessing, breakthrough in their health. Lord, whatever it is, whatever seed has been planted, maybe some of them are aware some things unaware. I'm asking you, God, in this specific moment, would you breathe again? Would you let there be a season of super bloom again? Things that might have been dormant for decades. I'm asking you, God, just, just it's not a, again, this is not some hype me up, you know. It's not that type of thing. But Lord, what do you want to say and what do you want to do? So I'm asking you, Every person, under the sound of my voice, those who are watching by way of live stream, those who are watching through technology, maybe dust it off again. Maybe say, okay, I'm cool that it had to adapt, but what do you want to do in me right now in this season that I'm in, Lord? Thank you for it, God. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for fresh life. Thank you for a super bloom in now church and in your people in Jesus name we pray amen amen come on if you got something put your hands together for Jesus thanks for joining us at now church for the latest updates visit us at nowchurch.com including live or on demand video event registration online giving and much more and don't forget to follow now church on our social media platforms including facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you.